Haitian Orphan Choir with the joy you can hear in their voices and see on their faces. Today on The Edge of Adventure, we travel to Haiti. We get to know Linda Gunter, co-founder at Love Him, Love Them. We discover the impact they're making through their many projects, orphanages, schools, hospitals, local businesses, and so much more. We'll even learn a bit about Linda's journey, too, about devastating loss, real joy, real need, and what it means to truly love. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Great to have you with us today as we talk about the beautiful nation of Haiti. And welcoming to the program now to tell us more about that beautiful nation, the beautiful people of Haiti, and the wonderful work that she and her team are doing. Linda Gunter is joining us here on the program. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Adam. What an honor to be able to be here on such an exciting show. Well, listen, you're the exciting one. I uh, have met you in person, and after meeting you, I knew immediately. I was like, we have to have Linda join us on the show for two reasons. Number one, you're a very interesting person. You've got all this energy, but also you have this love for people, I think, in general. I think as we get to know you, we're going to see that today. But in particular, you're here today to talk to us about the country of Haiti Mm -hmm. and the work that you guys do through the organization called Love Him, Love Them. So let's just let's start there. Love Him, Love Them does what? So Love Him, Love Them is one sentence that basically wraps up the whole Bible. You know, I think today is a perfect day to share that if all of us would just do that one thing, our world and our nation would be a completely different place. Right. So Love Him, Love Them was founded back in uh, a while back in the Vine City, Atlanta. And from that point of opening up as a homeless shelter all the way through to today, Our main purpose and our main goal, Adam, is to care for widows and orphans who are in a hot mess. And that's what we do both here in the United States and in the country of Haiti. So it actually started as I was doing some research on your organization. As you just mentioned, it started in the U.S. Uh, Tell me briefly about those early days. What motivated you to do that and to get into the helping business in this way? Right. So we were in the fifth worst crime ridden neighborhood in America, which is Vine City, Atlanta. And we were real estate investors. And so we're flipping houses and we were uh, actually renovating properties all in the Atlanta area. And uh, what started our ministry was a lady coming up to one of our homes with all of her belongings in a grocery cart and wanted to know if she could stay in one of our properties. And I very godly spiritually answered her and said, Absolutely not. This property is for sale. It's for rent. We're not a nonprofit. We're not a homeless shelter. Uh, We can't help you. And very long story short, which is in one of our books, my husband, on the other hand, decided to help her out. And from that, we moved forward and actually used that exact property that she wanted to stay in and turned it into a homeless shelter in the Atlanta area. It was amazing. It must have changed your lives in some way because now you you wake up all these years later and this this kind of thing has been a focus for you as a couple and you as an organization for years now tell me how that heart applies to the country of Haiti 
Well, actually, that particular homeless shelter, one of my very best friends was the financial advisor. That homeless shelter really prepared us more than we actually realized or knew uh, for what we were going to end up doing in Haiti. But I mean, and I'll probably share with you a little bit later more details about how she connected us with Haiti. But the bottom line is we provided everything. We were able to share how to do everything those people needed to walk through their lives so that when they walked in the shelter, by the time they walked out of the shelter, they not only had Jesus, they had a job, they had finances. And because of our uh, real estate workings in Atlanta, we were literally able to provide them homes actually whenever they moved out of the shelter. So that was amazing. She was the friend of mine that ended up connecting us with Haiti in a very strange way, was a financial advisor. And so she would actually come in and help the women with uh, setting up bank accounts, how to set up savings accounts and things like that. And we have now transposed all of that to exactly what we're doing in Haiti now. Pretty amazing. Love him, love them in Haiti. You're doing things like what? I know you need to tell me about a hospital. You need to tell me about an orphanage. These are rather lofty, complicated, <laughs> complex projects that you guys have undertaken. Let's let's start with the orphanage. Very true. The very first time that we went to Haiti was in 2011. That was the year after the devastating earthquake. And when we went in 2011, we were toured around uh, to different places, one of which was considered an orphanage, but basically it was just a place that children had gone to who had lost their families in the devastating earthquake. Uh, and so fast forward, that was in 2011. We also visited several other places. Every single place we visited in 2011, when you move forward to today, we now run that. So the place that was not really an orphanage, but just happened to be a place to stay, we actually went in there uh, with gifts and I mean, Adam, there's so many stories I could tell you. But that particular time when we went in there, we had nothing. We had a suitcase that was full of some flip flops. And by the time we left there, we had given every child a gift. There was literally a miraculous suitcase that every time we opened it, there were different things and items in there. But at that particular orphanage or place, it was a home that literally had been so devastated by the earthquake. There was a river running through the property. Um, I had five children at the time, and we literally went in, no running water, no electricity. It was on Christmas Day, 2011. There were no gifts, nothing. And when we went in there, it smelled exactly what you would expect a place to smell like that had 30 children living there with no running water and no electricity. I can't describe to you or get across to you how horrific it was. And yet after we handed those gifts out from that miraculous suitcase, we were about to leave. And the gentleman that was the dad of the home basically said, Linda, I want for you to hear my children sing is exactly where his words. And I'm a pretty big, bad, bold chick, but I couldn't figure out how to tell this guy, I don't want to hear your little orphan kids sing. So I walked over to what they called the living room, sat down on a urine stained daybed, And literally those 30 children came and stood in front of me. No shoes on their feet, no food on the table, no Christmas tree no running water, no electricity. And yet they sang with the joy of the Lord, like I have never heard before. I literally felt that day, like Jesus Christ himself tapped me on the shoulder and said, Linda, this is the joy of the Lord. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what materialistic things you have, or you do not have, this is the joy of the Lord. 
And Linda, you ain't got it. You know, your joy comes from your circumstances. When your husband does what you want him to, or when you're these children that you have do exactly what you ask them to. And to be very honest with you, Adam, I left that orphanage that day a completely different woman. Basically, I told the guy that had brought us there, I said, you know, somebody needs to bring those kids to the United States of America. I said, you're not going to believe this, but most people in America have every single thing they need. Actually, most of them have everything they want, but they do not have joy. And that man looked me back in the face and said, oh, Mommy Linda, every American I bring here, they say the same thing, but don't nobody do nothing about it. So the way we got that orphanage is we did something about it. We came back to America and fast forward four years, we brought those children that we met on Christmas Day to the United States of America. And we brought them here as the Haitian Orphan Children's Choir. That's how that happened. We are talking today with Linda Gunter. She is the co-founder of Love Him, Love Them. And she's our guest today here on the Edge of Adventure. Great to have everybody listening. And those of you who are watching the video version, you're going to get the privilege of uh, seeing some pictures of their wonderful work and the wonderful, beautiful people that they work with and care for and work beside there in Haiti. So Linda, tell me about some of the things then, you know, you mentioned earlier that a lot of what you learned in the the organization that you founded originally that was working here in the U.S. A lot of what you learned there, you were able to transfer and and take and teach and invest then in the the people in that area of Haiti. Tell me about some of the things that you're talking about here. How are you there in Haiti able to bring something to them in their life? Obviously, you've already talked about something that they gave you, that that you received from them. How are you able to give back to them and in some way. Talk to me about what you guys do on behalf of Love Him, Love Them. Well, excitingly enough, those 30 children that we met on Christmas Day 2011 that we then brought here to the United States to travel up and down the East Coast for three different years, those 22 of those children are currently living here in the United States on student visas and are either attending school or they're in the process of being adopted. So that opened up 22 spots in our orphanage now, that Lifesaver Orphanage in Haiti. We feed approximately 5,000 children a day in Haiti and now currently have six locations. We have a vocational school. And basically what we learned, Adam, is from those children, from those children that we learned that we met and brought here, we learned that we have to raise them up to be leaders. So we have to start in the orphanage, but then we learn from the orphanage, we have to provide school. We don't have a school for them to go to, that doesn't work. The other thing that we learned is that the biggest part of our ministry is that we wanna provide the gospel. I mean, we realized on our first trip to Haiti that there were two major things that were lacking and that was Jesus and jobs. That's what Haiti needed was Jesus and jobs. And so that's what we have charted to work to provide. But the problem is, is that if you want to introduce Jesus to somebody, they have a lot of questions for you. Number one, can your Jesus provide me with a place for my kids to go to school? Can your Jesus provide me with a job? Can your Jesus provide me with food? Can your G- And so that's what we worked off of. And so we now have the orphanages. But when you move out of the orphanage, what happens when you're 18? We now have a transition home. So we transition our children from the orphanage out. 
Uh, we also have a vocational school. Uh, we teach cosmetology, crafts, computers, construction, uh, concrete blocks. We have a guest home. Uh, our guest house is for when teams come over, whether that's a medical mission trip or something to do with the pastor's training. We have a teachers and teachers how to teach trip. We also have a school. We have, well, we have several schools, K through 12. And then most recently, we decided that we needed to open a hospital. And the hospital has its own story in and of itself. It is an absolute miracle. We opened up that hospital in the middle of a global pandemic. August the 29th was the actual grand opening of that hospital this year. So we have a lot of things happening in Haiti. How did you do that? Doing just about anything during a pandemic is difficult, complicated. How was opening up a medical facility, a hospital like that? What were the challenges and how did you guys handle all that? Well, the challenges are the same with every challenge that you do with everything in Haiti. And so one of the best verses to remember when you're working in a third world country is what's impossible with man is possible with God. Back up just a little bit to bringing 30 children from Haiti to the United States as a choir. That's insane. Uh, and we were told that by every organization that we reached out to for help. I mean, Adam, if you think about that. 30 kids on an airplane to come to America. You don't just run up to the airline ticket counter and say, I'd like 30 tickets, please. To get a ticket for an airplane, you have to have a visa. To get a visa, you have to have a passport. To have a passport, you have to have a birth certificate. And to have a birth certificate, you have to know when your birthday is, right? We're dealing with children who were the only members of their family that were pulled out from underneath the rubble of the earthquake. We didn't even have birthdays for those kids. In Haiti, it wasn't like you could just run down to the courthouse and look up a birth certificate. So that in and of itself, anytime we tell anyone who's worked in Haiti that story, they're like, that's crazy that the Haitian government and the United States government would work together to make that happen. But that has been our story all along. I just had conversations with people today. How in the world are you getting student visas for kids in Haiti to come to America, Linda? That's craziness. But again, God's favor has basically walked us through every single thing we've done in Haiti. And I really and truly believe, Adam, the main reason is because we have no idea what we're doing. Every single thing we do is based on faith. And we put all of our faith, all of our hope and all of our belief in God and doors open, miraculously doors open. <laughs> Linda, tell me about the picture we're looking at on the screen. And again, this is a little promotion for anybody that's listening to the audio version of the podcast or hearing this on the radio. You can go look up the video version. And anytime you watch the video version, you, you get to know the guest a little bit more and you get to see some of the pictures that they're able to share. This uh, right now, we're seeing a picture of several young ladies. And the title on the screen is Donald and Loretta Lyons Transition House for young women. Tell me what that is and the significance of this picture. So we transition our girls out of our orphanage. Once they're 18, they can no longer stay there. So we move them into the transition home. And the idea for the transition home is exactly what it sounds to transition them from orphanage life into the real world. So we have a neighborhood that we have purchased land to build over 100 homes. We provide them with jobs. 
Uh, we have the hospital that we have some of the girls working in. We have the school that some of the girls work in. We can employ them through the cooking school, through the crafts. We have a Beauty for Ashes jewelry line that is jewelry basically made out of trash. And all of those girls that you saw that are 18 and over are working in that line. And then we transition them, Adam. Um, and this is a way that listeners can get involved into those homes in that neighborhood. So you as a, a school or a church or a group can actually build a home in our neighborhood. $7,000 will build one of those two bedroom homes in the neighborhood in Haiti, and then we transition those girls. And that's what I was talking about earlier from the homeless shelter. How we used to transition people through the shelter and then into homes. We're doing the exact same thing in Haiti. Exactly. Linda Gunter is my guest today, joining us from Love Him, Love Them. They have a heart for people in general. But today in particular, we're getting to know their heart for Haiti. So I want to talk about that a second. What is life like in Haiti? And why do you love the people of Haiti so much? You know, we were on the road for three years with the Haitian Orphan Children's Choir, and we did sometimes one to two concerts a day. And every day, that was a struggle for me, was to try to get across what is life like in Haiti. Uh, because I can tell you about it, but you can't smell it, you can't feel it, you can't hear it. And it's something that unless you're there, it's very difficult to get across. I will tell you the average salary in Haiti is $2 a day. And the cost of goods in Haiti is doubled or tripled. So that's very difficult. Life in Haiti starts very, very early in the morning because it gets hot. And so everybody wants to get out, do what you're going to do and get back in before the real heat of the day sets in. Most people do not have electricity. Most people do not have refrigeration. And so it's a daily ordeal with buying your goods every day because you can't refrigerate them. The biggest commodity would be agriculture. So many times the husband will plant whatever he's growing and then the wife will sell that as a marchand on the streets. The number one religion in Haiti is voodoo. We come against that a lot. So it's, it's very rough. The reason that I love the people of Haiti is a story maybe for a little bit later, but is because of the friend that I had who helped me in the homeless shelter. And that is how and what introduced me to the country of Haiti. You need to tell us that story. I know that that was very influential. And I know it also ties in to some very, very big pieces in your life. So the story you're alluding to is what? The lady that helped me in the shelter, who helped with the, all of the financial issues, was taken away from this earth in a very tragic manner in 2004. And she had five children. And when she left this earth, the incident that took her out of her children's lives also removed her mother and her husband from those children's lives. And so... Five children in about five minutes lost their mother, their father, and their grandmother. And basically, my husband and I received a phone call one day from her father, who had also lost his wife and daughter in this incident. And he told me the following. <laughs> you talk about a phone call that will change your life. Linda, you're my last phone call. I cannot care for these five children. We've reached out to everyone in our family and we cannot find anyone to help with the children. And 
you're the last hope. If you do not take these children, we're going to split them up and put them in foster care. Again, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I didn't like kids, didn't want to have anything to do with kids and pretty much said, forget it. You got the wrong number. But once again, my husband overheard the phone call and said, Linda, James 127 is very clear. A real religion that God himself considers pure and faultless is this, to care for the orphans in a hot mess. And I continued to argue and said I was not Jesus and I was not going to take in any children. Argument after argument after argument. And then fast forward the 17th day of the seventh month of the year 2007, the family living in my home went to the size of seven with those children ages seven to 17. And they were Haitian. My friend was Haitian. The children were Haitian. And Adam, that's the reason that we very first went to Haiti was to take those children back to show them where they came from. And probably a little bit of my heart was for them to be a little grateful to me and thankful for me. And instead, God used that trip to wreck my life. That's the reason that Mommy Linda, and now for a woman who never wanted to have kids, didn't like kids, and actually made a deal. Our book opens up with my husband and my making a deal on our first date that we would never have kids. And then we ended up with five of four more now and are responsible for 5000 a day. <laughs> what was that like going from being a couple with no kids to a family of seven, literally in a moment's notice? Yeah, nothing to it, Adam. It was just a breeze. Okay, good. We didn't even have a vehicle that would transport all of the children. So that was the first issue we had. We had to trade in cars and get one that was big enough. Um, there are numerous occasions that I locked the kids in the car accidentally. I would be in the Dollar General walking around and be like, I think we're missing somebody. Um, we literally got thrown out of several clothing stores because I had no idea what size the kids wore. And we would take up every dressing room and people were like, you cannot have every dressing room in this house. <laughs> I mean, to show you how unlikely it was, we did not even know where the schools were in our neighborhood. I mean, we, we didn't have any reason to know. We were didn't have any kids in school. And so literally we went from not knowing where the schools were to having the kids, kids in elementary, middle, high school. Uh, we also had one in college and one that had dropped out. So it was unbelievable. My mother told me at that time, Linda, this is why God gives you nine months to have a child because you have time to prepare. So Linda, you get nine times five, that's 45 months. You can be crazy for 45 months and then you got to get it. And what was their reaction to being given the opportunity to go to Haiti? I mean, like you said, they happened to be Haitian. Their family was Haitian. Their lives took this tragic turn. What was it like when they went to Haiti? Or you went with your expectation of thinking, okay, mm -hmm. hopefully they'll they'll thank me and they'll appreciate yeah. this. What, I don't remember that. What, what were they thinking or as, as you reflect on their experiences? What was an amazing first trip? The three younger children, you know, didn't have a lot of memories. The two older ones did, and their memories were very horrible. And so there was a little bit of a conflict there, depending. We had a bit, a huge age difference. You know, there's 10 years in them. So we had Jazzy is seven, and you've got Raphael, who's 17. So it's a big age difference. But probably the biggest thing that happened on that trip was they came back with a heart to help the country. You know, when we came back after our first trip, and I didn't take, there's so much more to tell, but... We basically ran our family with family meetings. And at our January family meeting after that December trip, 
I said, you know, what was that trip to Haiti? Was that just a one-time thing? Or are we going to do anything about it? And my youngest daughter, Jazzy, she was like, oh, mommy, Linda, we have to do something. Those children are counting on us. So upon their return, they literally each started doing different things. Some of them made cake pops and sold them at school. Some of them got extra jobs, but it was there. They were the ones that were inspired to do something to help that country. And so because of them, that's why we moved forward with figuring out how to get those children here to sing and figuring out you know, how to start our goat program, how to start our chicken program, how we were going to do these things to actually make a difference in that country. Tell me about the Beauty for Ashes jewelry business. You mentioned it earlier, but I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle. Right. So the Beauty for Ashes jewelry business, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be handed money. Nobody wants to be handed money. Okay. So the beauty of the Beauty for Ashes jewelry business is that it is able to provide women Right now, we have 145 women employed with the Beauty for Ashes jewelry business. The name is absolutely perfect because the beads come from trash. So as you are, and trash is one thing Haiti's got plenty of, right? (laughs) So there's no two beads that are the same. They're very, very unique. Um, So these ladies are making necklaces, earrings, bracelets, And then we're shipping them or bringing them back from different mission trips here to the United States. And we're selling them in boutiques. And we're also selling them through African-American Expressions, which is also blackgifts.com. And they're also available on our website. And so not only are we providing salaries for the 140, I think it's 145, 147 women that are working at the Beauty for Ashes business, But we're also able to use the proceeds from that business to provide other things for our doctors and our hospitals and our nurses and different things. So it is a win, win, win. And on top of that, the jewelry is beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Also, the best part of it is we're not handing those girls money. They're working. So there's pride involved in that. And we are far exceeding the $2 a day average salary in Haiti. And we also have girls in that same Beauty for Ashes line that are making uh, headbands and scrunchies uh, and different items. Haitians are very talented, very talented. You show them something and they can make it. Very, very innovative. Linda Gunter is my guest today right here on The Edge of Adventure. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for being a part of this, for being a part of the Edge of Adventure family, and just for being the kind of person that cares about other people like our guest today, Linda. Great to be getting to know her and this organization. Love him, love them. Find out more information about them, get to know them even better. You can uh, look at their website, lovehimlovethem.org. You mentioned the GOAT program. What is the GOAT program? Um, The GOAT program started the very first year we were there. So when we left in 2011, we sat down with Pastor Mexo, who leads our entire ministry in Haiti, and said, what is one thing that we could start to help you with before we come back? He, He told us later on, you know, he said, Linda, everybody says that, but nobody ever comes back and nobody ever helps. So he said, I really didn't think too much of you guys whenever you asked that question. But he wanted $500 to buy 10 goats. And he had this amazing program in mind where he would give certain members of the church, the goats, uh, it would just continue, continue, continue. They would have babies. It would bring back the girls. I mean, it sounds like we're pimping out goats, but which is pretty much what we're doing. 
Um, but that program that started in 2011 with $500 has continued to multiply. And we currently have, I don't even know how many goats that we currently have. We've had to actually hire people to go and visit and watch the goats and do different things. And we're running them through all six of our churches now. So that goat program has been amazingly successful. It was so successful that we there's the girls that started the Beauty for Ashes program right there. Those are our hug girls. So it's those those were the core of it that went all the way up to the 147. But the goat program was so successful that we turned it over into chickens. And we have uh, chicken coops that we actually provide and let the ladies at the church work through and actually sell the eggs. So it provides jobs for them too. It's amazing how innovative you can be with just a little bit to be able to provide jobs instead of just giving. When someone gives to the organization, like if they were to go to lovehimlovethem.org and sign up to give or to support you guys somehow, tell me about where that money goes. And I bring that up because I happen to know that you're a volunteer, you're not taking a salary from this. And I think quite a few of your leadership positions are the same way. Tell me about that. Yes, nobody takes any money. We're all volunteers. We have one person in the United States that gets a stipend, if you want to call it that. Uh, but we're all we operate completely on internships or volunteers. Um, so the majority of every dollar that comes in goes directly to Haiti to help. So when the money comes in to lovehimlovethem.org, there are several places that you can designate it for. You can actually sponsor a child. We have a child sponsorship program of $25 a month. You can sponsor a teacher. You can sponsor a pastor. Um, you can direct your funds to go to directly to one of the orphanages. We mentioned earlier about actually building the homes. We have the homes that you can build for $7,000. You don't have to actually pay $7,000 uh, if you want to build a portion of a home. You can buy a motorcycle for a pastor. The entire package for the motorcycle is $1,500. You can actually just purchase products. That's another great way to give, like we were talking about with the Beauty for Ashes. All of those products are online. Um, so there's numerous ways that you can just designate or the hospital. You know, we have, you can actually buy bricks to put in the hospital and you can purchase those in memory or in honor of someone. And those bricks are actually on the front of the hospital. So there are numerous ways that you can give and designate your funds to love him, love them, or just make it as a general donation. Linda, we've been talking for quite a few minutes. It feels like we've been talking for about three minutes, right? I'm looking <laughs> at the clock here and I, I see that we, we've been talking a while and there's still a couple of things I've got. I, I, I have to ask you, I got to get, I got to get to. So um, tell me about this thing we call racism. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question because we don't really see the color in our home we see that other people see the color in our home. We see it a lot, actually. Um, my husband, I mean, we've had, we have Haitian children that love us as if we, I'm going to cry, <laughs> that love us as if we birthed them. And so many times when we are in public in the United States of America, I mean, I've been asked if I'm a social worker when I'm with my children. I've been asked if I'm with defects when I'm with my children and, you know, it's 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 interesting because we just we are, I guess, a different family, but we don't see it. Uh, we have a lot of color in our home. And sometimes we literally have to explain it to our children because we don't 
We literally don't see it. We don't even think about it. You know what, Adam, to be very honest with you, racism is the same as any other sin. It's a matter of the heart. And I think that for some reason or somehow there's been anger that's built up in the heart or pride that's built up in the heart uh, that someone sees themselves as better than someone else. But I, I can't wrap my mind around it, but I, I do see it as a, I don't want to say a victim, but we, we deal with it a lot. We get a lot of looks and we hear a lot of comments. I mean, my children will be all over Mr. David. We call him Mr. David as we walk through an airport or walk through a shopping mall. And there are many comments that get made, but um, I don't know that I can explain it other than a, a sin of hatred and anger and bitterness. I think what's beautiful about your story and both from, from your side and from the kids' side is that you don't understand it. <laughs> I think that's the beautiful part. And I think there's such freedom when you lose track of those kind of differences, those differences that so much of culture, they, they put right in front of us and they make sure we don't forget. We don't forget. We don't forget that, that we're different. We're not the same. We're not the same, you know? And then when, when you love somebody mm -hmm. and you lose track of the fact that they're quote different somehow, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a very freeing moment. And it's a very beautiful thing that you loved your friend oh. and you're still honoring her. You're mm -hmm. still honoring her today because of the way that you're loving her children. And they're now your you children. Know, Adam, we are the same. I'll never forget on the very first trip that we went to in Haiti, after one of the church services, the, a lady came up to me. She had, she for real had five children. We had five children that we had just gotten. She for real had five children. And we, I literally sat there and spoke with her through an interpreter and I mean, we were exactly the same. We actually, I remember we switched uh, high heeled shoes. She had, uh, high heels are a big thing in Haiti and we had switched shoes and we were discussing and talking and we were exactly the same. You know, husbands and wives, I've done a lot of marriage counseling in Haiti. You know what? It's the same problems. <laughs> it's the same thing. So you're right. It is the same. It is the same. And somehow we've chosen to look at things differently or people have, but it's, it's, there's not a lot of difference. Linda, next question. Has God blessed you? Oh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> well, and the more, you know, you can't outgive God. You really cannot outgive God. So the more you give, the more you are obedient, the more you do, you know, faith without works is dead. Our pastor this week challenged us to have our family all know the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've gone a step above that. So we're all of our, our family, our kids now, we have the youngest we have now is 10 or memorizing that. We're also memorizing Psalm 23. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I cannot tell you one thing personally that I want. I want to finish the hospital. I want to finish the transition home. I want to get our other six churches done. I want to be able to provide for the people in Haiti that need it. But I can honestly tell you, Adam, there's not one thing I want. And because God has continued to bless us, you just cannot outgive him. And if you ever learn that mathematics, our mathematics and God's mathematics is not the same. I mean, and, and he reveals it in his word and tells us, but for some reason, some of us choose not to follow that. But yes, we are blessed beyond anything you could possibly imagine. And not only financially, but health-wise, just soul-wise, um, the children-wise, I mean, we it's absolutely the answer is 100% yes. Linda, what else does the audience 
need to know. Make an invitation. I mean, there's so many ways. You've already talked about some ways that they can help, ways they can give, they can purchase product. I think also they can take trips. But what's the invitation overall if we wrap up the show? What's the invitation from love him, love them to someone out there right now listening or watching and getting to know you for the first time? Absolutely. So it's very simple. The, the invitation is biblical, right? So Matthew 25, whenever God is talking about the final judgment, he says he's going to separate us into the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And pretty much he says the way you're going to know that you belong to him is that when somebody was thirsty, you gave him something to drink. When somebody was hungry, you gave him something to eat. When somebody was sick you or in prison, you went and visited them and helped them. That's what we're asking. So we're asking for you to help. For those who are hungry, help for those who are thirsty. You know, there's no way for me to get across to you how blessed we are in the United States of America and yet how unhappy we are. And yet there are people in Haiti that have nothing and that are in complete survival mode, but they are completely dependent on Jesus Christ. And so we need your help through whatever avenue it is, whether it's to purchase a calendar online so that you can have that calendar with you. And every single day when you do your quiet time, you can remember to pray for us. We know that prayer is the most important thing, whether it is to go online and actually purchase an item, whether it's to say, you know what, Linda, we want um, your cookbook. We have a cookbook that will provide you to be able to, it's written in English and in Creole. And you can actually have an international night with your kids and sit down and talk through them with them about third world countries and about how blessed they are here. You know, the best amazing thing you can do is come to Haiti with us. You can actually come bring your family. Every single thing we do is based on our family because we received those children and how we took them to Haiti. We have events both here in the United States of America, and we also have events ongoing in Haiti. And we would love to help you watch your children and your family's lives change because of what we can share with them. So, you know, we do an annual Christmas trip every year. If you don't want to go to Haiti, you can actually make Christmas joy bags that we actually distribute to all 5,000 children in Haiti. Uh, you can help financially. You can help by praying. You can help by sponsoring a child. There are numerous ways. We'd also love to come and actually share at your church we can, or your organization. We can come and share with you the different ways that you can be involved and help teach you how to love him and love them. Linda Gunter, co-founder at Love Him, Love Them. So many great ways that you can help them out. Here's what you need to do. A great place to start, everybody, is to go to the website, lovehimlovethem.org. That's lovehimlovethem.org. Linda Gunter, co-founder at Love Him, Love Them, my guest today. Linda, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for all you do to keep everybody on the edge. <laughs> hey, I'm trying. I'm trying. And you're a great friend. Uh, so I appreciate you, Linda. God bless you. We will be in touch. And I just thank you again for your time today, getting to know you. Absolutely. Have a great rest of the day. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. 
Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo.